Well, good morning, Coastal. How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing all right? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us today. We are, uh, before we kind of dive in today, everybody say, two weeks from now. Okay, that wasn't very good. That was like half of you. They kind of said, everybody say, two weeks from now. Okay, I saw some people still not, I can do this. I got, I got like 33 minutes of doing this. So like we can all do it at once or we can just practice the entire time. Everybody say, two weeks from now. Perfect. Two weeks from now, we have a brand new series called Immeasurably More. And uh, this is, this is going to be like the, the biggest thing that we're going to do all year. So I, I know we put a lot of effort into a lot of series and in different events like Christmas and Easter. Those are big deals. But this series is going to be the big deal for the year. And so in two weeks, we actually have our seven-year anniversary as a church. And... Uh, yeah, and so if, if you haven't been here on an anniversary Sunday, what that's formally known as is that is known as free t-shirt Sunday. And so, and so if you want a free t-shirt, the one and only Sunday you can get that is September 18th. And so that's two weeks from now. That's why I had you say that. So uh, make sure that you're here. It's going to be a great time. We're also going to be giving you kind of an update on what's going on with the property we purchased in Parkland and kind of give you some updates on that as well. And so the only way you're going to know about it is if you're here. So if you're not here, you're going to be square, okay? Um, so we're excited about that. So, uh, but this week we're continuing our series Run, And this series has been all about the fact that God has got a purpose and plan for every single one of our lives. And God has called every one of us to run a race. And throughout the Bible, throughout scripture, you see a lot of parallels between the idea of your life has some potential, has some meaning. And it parallels with this idea that it's called, we're called to run a race. And so there is a race that is before every single one of us, whether we realize it or not. And not only is there a race, but there is an objective to that race race, and God wants us to finish the race, and not only finish the race, but I believe that he wants every single one of us to win in that race. And we've been looking out of a passage of scripture, it's kind of the baseline for everything of this scripture. It comes out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, in other words, it's talking about the chapter before, and it's the chapter of faith. There's been a lot of people that have come before us and lived out their life with intentionality. They've lived out their life with purpose, and they have finished their race. And so we're now surrounded by them, and those people are, in essence, looking on us and cheering us on. He says, let us strip off every weight that hinders in the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. There is a race that God has set before each and every one of us in this life. And a lot of times we perceive that race to be like an Olympic event. We perceive it to be we're going to the track and we're getting prepared and we're getting on the starting blocks next to other people. And we've got our Nike gear on. We've got the gold shoes and we've got the, the ergonomics wear or whatever we need to, to run as fast as possible. We think it's going to be this really easily laid out course that we're going to run. We're going to do four laps, and then we're going to cross the finish line, and everybody's going to celebrate. 
And that is the perception a lot of times as we walk into our lives and following Jesus. The reality, though, is is that a lot of times the race is not like a track and field race. It's more like an adventure race. Anybody out there ever done like a Spartan race or an adventure race? Okay, three of us. Perfect. Okay, five of us. Uh, There's a couple of athletic people in here. For the rest of you guys, you you guys need to go to the gym with me, okay? We need to get get you buff. We need to get you out there doing some athletic events. I love competition. Listen, there is nothing better than beating somebody else. Can I get an amen? Okay, not, there's not a lot of that. Apparently, like people that don't, that don't amen right there know what that tells me, that you're, you're the first loser. Okay, so I'm just, just kidding. Just kidding. This is, man, this is turning out bad. Um, and so, like, I did my first adventure race last year. I, I, I loved it. I love competition. There's, a, there's another lady in our church that's a CrossFitter, and she's like, man, you got to do this, this, this adventure race with me. And I'm like, I'm in as long as I can beat people. She's like, yeah, we'll beat people. And I was like, all right, cool. And so, uh, like, I've never done an adventure race. I have no idea what to expect except for right before this whole event is supposed to take place over the weekend. We had like last year around this time, we had five days of torrential downpours. And so we went to this course down in the Davie area and it used to be an old landfill, uh, which is not a great place to do an adventure race, you know, like an old landfill that they've made a park, Broward County for you. And uh, <laughs> that's, what, that's what Monarch Mountain will be eventually. It's going to be a park for everybody. Um, and so you can take your kids there and check it out. And it's scenic and awesome. And so there's all this water. There's standing water. We show up to the race. We've got like two feet of water at the starting line. And I don't know about you, but I, I've never ran a race in water. Running races in, in like knee-high water is very, very difficult. And so we take off and we're, we're running through this race and we're running along and it's, it's supposed to be like a five-mile course. And so, you know, the first like mile of it is running, just running, 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 running through water, running up mud slides and people falling down and taking out other people. It's like bowling. It was awesome. And, uh, and so we're running, and eventually we, we come to the first, the first obstacle, and, it, and it's a wall, and it's like, you know, waist high, and I'm like, oh, this is no big deal. You know, you just kind of hurdle that thing, and you keep, keep running. Come to the next obstacle, it's like uh, a chest high wall, and of course, you just hurdle that thing too. You just kind of jump over it, and as we continue on, like the walls continue to get bigger and more difficult. The next wall is like an inverted wall where you got to kind of climb up and crawl over, and so we go over that, and we come to the next wall, and it's instead of being like at chest high, now all of a sudden, it's like nine foot tall, and so you got to jump up and pull yourself up. You got to have some upper body strength, and, and so we're doing that. Eventually, we get to this really huge wall that virtually nobody can clear. Like, there's like one dude that clears it, and so we get to this point where you're up against the wall, no matter how many times you try to get over it, it's just impossible to get over. And that makes a lot of sense, because that's exactly how life is at times. We start running this adventure, we start running this race of of following God, and there's some obstacles and some things along the way that aren't very difficult. They're easy to hurdle. They're easy to get over. But eventually, we get to this place where we hit a wall that seems insurmountable, that seems impossible, that seems like there is no way that I can get over this wall. And it's very easy in those moments to think, like, I must have taken a wrong turn. I must have gone down a wrong path because there's no way that God would send me me to a wall that I can't overtake. And so it's easy to start questioning, like, man, am I really doing the right thing? Am I really going down the right place? And this is what I know for every single one of us. 
is that no matter how we're running or where we're going, eventually we're going to hit some walls along the path that God has called us to run that are going to seem insurmountable in life. It might be you're running a race. You've got a vision for your future. Like you've got a place where you want to go in your career. And all of a sudden you're, you're elevating in your job, but you've hit a place where you can't overtake that senior person because you don't have the education that's necessary. And you're at a wall, even though you've got a vision for much further along and where you want to go. Some of us, we've got a vision for our finances. We want to be debt free. We want to be able to own our own home and buy our cars outright. But yet we're still feeling the walls effect of seven or eight years ago when the economy crashed. And we're still being hindered by that wall of ruined credit or overspending, and and we're still trying to recover from that thing. We think, how am I ever going to overcome this thing? And listen, we're not the first people that have ever encountered walls in life. In fact, in the Bible, there's a group of people that encounter a very, very big wall, and it's, it's found in the story of Joshua. And Joshua was leading the Israelites out of 40 years of being in the desert. And God has been promising this land to his people for hundreds of years. And and so it gets to this point where God actually comes and speaks to Joshua and says, listen, you guys have wandered long enough. It's time for you to go and possess the land that I promised you. I've given you this amazing promise. It's time for you to take it now. You're the man of the hour. You're the, you're the tower of power. It's time to go, Joshua. You've been equipped. You've been resourced. You have everything you need to overtake this wall. In fact, this is going to be a slam dunk for you. And, and while it looks like a slam dunk for you, at the same point, God says in chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, which aren't in your notes, he says three times to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Joshua, you're gonna, this is the promise for you, but be strong and courageous. Listen, this is the promise for you, Jasmine, but be strong and courageous. Listen, Susie, this is the promise for you, but be strong and courageous. And the same thing that God says to Joshua, I believe he says, to us today. He says, listen, I've got a promise and I've got a plan, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And a lot of us think that when we start following Jesus, it's going to be all rainbows and butterflies. It's going to be easy path. It's going to be an easy walk. But I don't know about you, but I checked out Jesus's life and there wasn't a lot of easy to it. Last time I checked, getting arrested and beaten doesn't sound very easy. That sounds like kind of an obstacle. Getting nailed to a cross kind of sounds like an an obstacle. Dying sounds like a pretty big obstacle. Anybody overcome death yet? Okay, like, yeah, it's it's an obstacle. Not only overcoming death, but then you got to go defeat Satan and then come back and raise again. Like, Jesus faced some obstacles. And to think that our life is going to be free of obstacles because we're following him is kind of ludicrous. If you really think about it. In fact, God doesn't ever promise no difficulties. What he promises is that he'll always be with us through the difficulties. And so so God is saying, listen, I'm going to make this happen, but Joshua, you're going to face some difficulties. You're going to face some hardships. You're going to face some walls in life. And you have got to be able to get through those things. And what God is saying to every one of us is, man, I've got an incredible promise for you. I've got a promised land for your life that you're going to go through, but you need to be strong and courageous because eventually you are going to hit your Jericho. 
And in Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all of its strong warriors. Now, for the Israelites, it wouldn't have been uncommon to face a foe that had walls around their city. But the difference was, is Jericho was different than any other city. In fact, we have a kind of a picture of, of Jericho. It says the walls of Jericho. The reason that the walls is plural is because it wasn't a singular wall. So many times we think the walls of Jericho was a singular wall, but they've actually dug up Jericho and found that it was two sets of walls that made it an impenetrable city because it was built up on a hill. It was almost impossible to invade this place and overtake it. Because logically in war, what you would do if you were going to overtake a city is you would go, well, you know what? I'm going to go over it. And so they would build ramps and they would build ladders and they go, man, I'm going to overtake the wall. The problem is, is you overtake one wall, you still got another wall. You can't pull those ramps and ladders up over that wall. You're kind of stuck there once you get inside. Now you're just going to get slaughtered. And so the next option is, well, we'll dig underneath the wall. Well, it's built up on a hill, so the farther you dig underneath, you've ever dug yourself in a hole, this is where it comes from. Don't dig yourself in a hole. So you can't go over, you can't go under, Well, you think, well, I've got to go through the walls. The problem is, is then you would use a battering ram, but you're going up a hill. So all the momentum that you would gain running you're actually losing because you're going uphill, so you can never get enough speed to hit a wall and break down the door. So you can't go over, you can't go under, you can't go through it. Well, well, what else can you do? You could starve them out, right? Like that, that's an option for you. The problem is, is historians say that this was right after harvest time. In fact, when they found the city, they found two years worth of stores of food still bottled up within the city. Like they were prepared for the attack. So there, it's not like Israel is going to stand outside for two years. Like, hey, we're just going to sit out here. Eventually, you're going to have to come out. Like, nobody's going to do that. So they could use, like, maybe trickery or something and, and, and Trojan horse them. But no, the doors are shut tightly. So what do you do when you come up against a wall that seems insurmountable in life? Because it's not like if you're going to, it's when you're going to. How do you continue to run your race? How do you continue to run with perseverance the race that God has set before you? And I think Joshua can give us some clues as to how to do that and how to overcome the walls that are in our life. And if you're taking notes, the first one is this, is that you and I, we have got to expect resistance. We've got to expect some resistance in life. And a lot of us look at resistance and we look at it as a negative thing. But, but I, would, I, would, I would challenge you that that's just not true. When I was a junior in high school, uh, I, I was playing football at, at my high school, Southeast High School, and we, we were a great football team. And during my junior year, I dislocated my shoulder really, really bad. And I thought that my playing career was probably going to be over with at that point. And I remember going to the doctor, and they, they prescribed me to go to physical therapy. I'd never gone to physical therapy before in my life. I thought, well, if this is going to help me recover, if this is going to help me achieve my dreams and goals, then I, I better go do this. And so I remember going to physical therapy for the first time. And I remember meeting my physical therapist in the lobby. And it was this older, sweet lady. She looked like my grandma. I felt like she should bake me some cookies because she was just so nice. Like, I was like, this is going to be awesome. Like, this is going to be a good time. I remember she took me back to her little area that was uh, kind of like tented off for her physical 
therapy area. And all of a sudden, she went from sweet grandma to tyrant. And she started bending my arm in places that it's never been bent before. And I'd be like, that hurts. And she's like, I know. And she just smiled. I was like, I'm going to kill you, Grandma. Like, it was like, like, like everything. She just kept working it. And, and what she would do is she'd put on these like resistance exercises with bands. And she'd be like, lift your arm up, lift your arm up, lift, go over here, over here. And before long, I'm doing all these resistance things that are killing me. I'm like, this is hurting, Grandma. But at the end of 10 weeks, you know what? I walked out of that physical therapy office with a shoulder that was way stronger than when I ever started. Before I got injured, like my shoulder was weak. Now all of a sudden, man, the muscles all around that shoulder were so tight. They were so in tune with keeping that socket in. And I think in many ways, God is like a spiritual physical therapist for us. A lot of us think that, that God isn't going to give us resistance in life, but the one thing that God understands is that you shouldn't expect less resistance with God. You should expect more because what he's trying to do is he's trying to strengthen you. He's trying to prepare you for the difficulties that are going to be ahead of you. And so many of us, we get so focused on the destination of where God is called. Hey, God, there's the promise. There's the promise. We're so focused on the promise of where God wants us to go that we forget that there's something that God wants to do in us before we ever get there. That God is more concerned with who we're becoming than where we're going in life. In fact, there's a pastor named John Ortberg. He says this on this subject. He says, oftentimes what God does in us while we wait is more important than what we're waiting for. Think about that for a minute. What God is doing inside of us is more important than what we're trying to accomplish. A lot of times we're, we're feeling this resistance and we're like, why God, why God? Because he's trying to help you become the person that will be able to sustain the promise when you get there. See, we're all focused on the, the promise, but God is all about the process because the process is the point for God. It's about who you're becoming in the process. And so you and I, we've got to expect some resistance. And when we're, we're feeling that resistance, what we have to do at that moment is, number two, we have to magnify God and not the wall. We've got to magnify God and not the wall because we all get stuck sometimes. In fact, uh, we're not the only ones that get stuck in life. I, I actually found some pictures on the internet of some, some animals that got stuck. Like here's Here's a dog that uh, uh, he apparently found the trash, and uh, he, he, he didn't, he didn't he, like, he stuck within the trash can lid. He doesn't seem upset about it. Like, he's not magnifying the lid. He's, he's magnifying the diaper he just ate, you know, that's sitting over there in the corner. Or how about this one? This, this one is uh, one of my favorites because I hate cats. Like, we're just going to leave that cat there. We're never rescuing that cat, like... Just got stuck. Like, I would sit down right in front of that cat if that was my house. Anyways, uh, third one, because I wouldn't have a cat. This is my favorite. The dog. I don't know how in the world the dog got stuck in a root beer box. <laughs> Come on. If that isn't funny, there's something wrong with you, okay? Seriously. Like, he doesn't even care. He's like, what? I didn't do anything. Like, just chilling. I'm good. Give me a treat. A lot of times when we get stuck, like, 
Like, this is funny, but it's not funny to us. Nor is it a lot of fun when we get stuck in life. I don't know if you're like me, but when I get stuck, like, I spend a lot of time magnifying that problem. It becomes what I talk about. It becomes what I think about. It becomes the focus of all of my attention, all of my memory. It just, it, it starts to consume my life. Anybody feel me like that? Anybody else kind of experience that? Like, all of a sudden, that becomes the main thing in life. And it's so easy to make that the main thing, especially when seasons are difficult. Because I know, and I'm not trying to downplay, but all of us are facing difficult seasons in life. Some of us are more difficult than others. Some of us are facing some insurmountable odds, it seems like, in life. And I'm not trying to minimize your problems, but what would happen if instead of putting so much focus and so much attention, what if we put some of that energy on God? What would that do to us? Do you, do you think that maybe if we, didn't, if we weren't magnifying the problem, if we started to put some attention and some focus on God, we started magnifying him, that maybe God's power wouldn't show a little bit greater in our life? In fact, I, I love what happens as Joshua, he hears this incredible promise from God, go take the land like it's promised to you. And so he sends some spies out, just like his predecessor uh, Moses had done, to go scout out the city. And the spies go into the city to check it out. They're staying at this prostitute Rahab's house. And this is the encounter they had with Rahab. And I think it's so profound. This is what it says in Joshua chapter 2, verses 8. It says, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk with them. She says, I know the Lord has given you this land. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now here is the most unlikely woman to help the Israelites see the bigness of their God. Here is a Jericonian prostitute who is going to them and going, listen, 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 guys, you don't understand. I know that you guys are looking at walls that seem insurmountable, but we're not looking at the walls. We're looking at the history of your God. We're looking at what your God has done, and we are freaked out about it. Here is the enemy reminding the people of God about how great God is. Like some of us got to realize that, man, we magnify our problems when we should be magnifying our God because of how big God is. We, we forget that God is this all-powerful God. That he created the heavens and the earth, that he spoke a very word out and existence happened. That God is in control of everything. We forget that he is that dominant in life. Not only is God that dominant and that powerful in life, but he's all-knowing. Like, your situation that you're facing right now, you're, you're scared to death and you're like overwhelmed by it and it caught you by surprise. Listen, God is not surprised by your situation. He's not up in heaven like running around, oh my gosh, angels, have you seen what Steve is facing? Stop everything! 
like he's not up there doing that. You know what? He knew what was happening before you even knew it would happen. He knew 10,000 years ago that that was going to go down. And he's not freaked out about it. Why? Because he already knew about it. You know what? Because he already knows about it, that's what else it means? He already knows the solution to it. So not only is God all-powerful and all-knowing, but the best part about it is God is always present. So many of us think that when we're in the shadow of the wall, that we're in this dark place and we are forgotten about, and we forget that God will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. In fact, I love what Psalms 139 says. It says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you know what? You're there. If I ride the wings of morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in the darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. God's saying, man, I'm, I'm always right there. See, what we need to realize is you and I, we don't fix problems. We don't. What we need to do is we need to fix our attention and our minds on the proper thing and then watch our problems get fixed. But when we fix our attention on the problem, what happens to every single one of us is we become weak, we become feeble, we become powerless in the light of that problem. But we're not supposed to be in the light of the problem, we're supposed to be in the light of the cross. And when we start to magnify God and we start to fix our attention on that, what once seemed like a mountain becomes a molehill in our life. Because the realities of how great our God is pales in comparison to the size of our problems. And so today, church, man, we need to realize that we need to expect some resistance, not only expect it, but embrace it. We've got to magnify God and not our problem. And then number three there, we have to trust in his ways. We've got to trust in his ways. And, and this is the hardest part because I don't know if you're like me, but I, my question to God is, God, how? Like, God, how are you going to do this? Like, what is this going to look like? I'm a control freak. I like to be in control. Anybody else in that boat? You're like, I want to know how you're going to do it. Like, I want to know the plan. In fact, I want to have some input in the plan. Like, I got a plan, God, will your plan line up with my plan? Because, like, when I hear God's plan for, for the Israelites, I don't really like it. 
In fact, let me read you his plan. He says, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priest give one last blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people will charge straight into the city. That is God's plan. That is a terrible plan. Listen, let's have a parade and bring a marching band to a battle. Like you saw the worship team up here today. They look pretty intimidating, don't they? Let's go to war with them. Like They're the only ones that are like, yeah. Everybody else is just laughing at them. Why? Because that is ludicrous. It's like, give me some people that have gone to the gym or something once. Maybe have used the weapon. <laughs> like I read these stories, and I, 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 I just so believe. I believe that when, when Joshua rolls out and goes, "Hey guys, here's the plan," I, I, I'm, I guarantee they're like, "Seriously?" Like, because they're no different than we are. They're like, "No, you're, you're joking us with us. Come on, come on." Like, I'm out of here because that is a terrible point. Like, that would have been my reaction to it. But we got to trust his ways. Because have you ever noticed that his ways look nothing like ours? That's why Proverbs tells us, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Don't, don't, don't try to figure it out based on what you know. Because what you know isn't enough. That's hard for some of us to hear. Because we think we know enough. We think we're equipped enough. And, and God's saying, listen, you've got to trust in my ways. And I think that one of the greatest ways that we can trust in God's ways is to remember what God has done in the past. And one of the greatest ways that God reminds us of that, especially when we're up against the wall. Because when we're up against the wall, we forget about the past, let's be honest. Because that focus is all on that wall. It's where he uses community at its best. It's where he uses other people to have the greatest impact in our lives. It's one of the reasons why we tell you guys all the time, we don't do life alone. We do life together. It's why we promote connect groups like we're going to do today, like get involved, get involved in community. Because when you're up against a wall, you're going to need somebody to remind you of God's past faithfulness so you can press through the present problems. And trust in his ways. And I, I know that this is so true for me. This week, I've, I've had one of the hardest weeks of my life. Not only have I been facing some, some leadership issues and just major decisions, but I also got hit with, like, kidney stones this week. Yeah, it sucks. It's how I feel, too. Like, it, it's terrible. And so, like, man, Thursday evening, I was, like, on the state and verge of depression. And my wife was, she'd asked me to go to lunch, and I was like, she's like, you just need to go home and just go to sleep or something. I'm like, I can't. And I remember leaving that lunch and calling up a couple friends of mine that we, we have just done life together for years. It's like, man, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm facing so much right now. And this one guy, he goes, TJ, you remember like 10 years ago? I'm like, 
What happened 10 years ago? He's like, you remember when you were hospitalized and everybody thought you were going to die, including the doctors? And they didn't have a solution. They're bringing in all kinds of people from all over the state trying to figure out what was wrong with you. You remember we gathered around, we prayed, and within 24 hours, you were walking out of the hospital completely fine, and the only thing that they could come up with was a fever. It's like, yeah. It's like, man, if God did that then, what is he going to do now? It's hard to trust in his ways when you're facing difficulties, but sometimes it, all you can have is trust. And when you trust, it builds hope. And that hope, Hebrews tells us, becomes an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Maybe today some of you need to anchor into his hope. Maybe today you're facing some difficulties and you need to realize that it's not a bad thing, that it's just a, it's a resistance thing, it's a stretching thing to grow you, to become who God's calling you to be. And that God wants you to get your eyes off the problem and onto his promises and magnify him in the midst of the struggle. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just come before you today and we thank you that you are a God that is always present, ever powerful, and all-consuming. God, I just pray that today you would intersect in people's lives like never before.